Hello and welcome to Delving to Draft. My name is Craig and I'm one of your hosts. Joining me this week is... Steve! This is episode 15. Now, quickly, how to get in touch with us. You can get us on Tumblr at delvingtodraft.tumblr.com or on Facebook if you search for Delving to Draft. Our email address is delvingintodraft at gmail.com. And finally, I'm on Twitter as ravak underscore, that's R-A-V-A-K underscore. First things first, probably apologies for... um well, missing out a week's worth of episode. Um We all got a bit distracted with the Grand Prix coming up. Yeah, I think that's fair to say, Craig. Apologies, apologies. Yeah, we, there was some plans to record at the Grand Prix, but that didn't happen for a variety of very good reasons. So apologies for the lack of show last week and sort of lack of warning that there wasn't going to be a show as well. Anyways, um... Deck Tease, we talked about this last episode, we were guests on the show, the show is now finally up, I'll put a link in the show notes, but it is episode 28, and it is called Draft Punk, which is just an awesome title. You had a listen, Steve? I have had a listen, Craig. We didn't sound as incompetent as I thought. Yeah, it's crazy, eh? Who'd have thunk it? Grand Prix London, we'll talk more about that, saying that's basically our main topic. But let's just say Grand Prix London happened, that was last weekend, that's over and done with, and we'll get to that later. Uh, Gay Crash is now on Magic Online, the pre-releases have all passed, I think the release events are probably all passed now, so if you want to go draft or... Uh, well, yeah, if you want to draft Gate Crash, if you want to grab Gate Crash cards for constructed or other weird formats, which I don't understand, you can go ahead. But drafting Gate Crash is there. Go do that and be free. And Yay! Or something like that. Um, Pro Tier Gate Crash uh, is happening right now. It's this weekend, which would be the 15th to the 17th of February 2013. It is happening in the fair city of Montreal in Canada. And... It's three days of intense, high-level gaming, which includes drafting and constructed, whatever, constructed tasks. Yeah, I'd, I'd just like to wish everybody at Pro Tour Montreal good luck, and I hope one of you win it. I would imagine one person will definitely win it. Yeah. Um, yep. Helped, helped with my good wishes, I think. Excellent. Uh, we, do, we do have a local player there who, last I checked, was doing reasonably well, but... Oh, is that our friend John? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what his standing is at present, but he was o- I think he was only down two games, which wasn't too bad, I suppose. Yeah, seven seven pretty, and two, I think it was, yeah. something like that. So, you know, that's pretty good. Anyway. It's pretty good, it's pretty good. Yes, um, final piece of news. I'm now a judge! Yay! Boo! An equal measure! So we'll also get to that later, but I'm now <laughs> of one judge, so I'm, I'm, I'm official and stuff. So, what Well cuts. done, Craig. Well done. Pat, Thank you. Pat, pat. There you go. Have some of that. Yay! Right, um, name that card. Name that card! Uh, uh, is it Cinder Elemental? Uh, oh no, sorry, were you actually asking me? Oh, wait, uh, do you want to give me a clue first? Oh dear goodness. Right, okay. <laughs> um, okay, okay. I, I have a card in front of me. Okie dokie. It is from Gay Crash. Yay! The gentleman I have in front of me is, uh, 3-3. A 3-3, three, three, you say? That sounds like a red card. Hmm. I'm going to take a stab at Wrecking Ogre. This is not Wrecking Ogre. Ah, boo. Although you are correct insofar as this guy is also a rare. Ah, okay. 
And is it a guy? It is a person or okay. thing. It is a creature. I mean, that much I can say because obviously, if it has power and toughness, it has to be a creature. But yeah, I I do believe actually it is a gentleman rather than a lady. I am looking at. Okay. Okay. Although there is the potential for ambiguity. Right. Hmm. I will take a guess at a uh, frontline medic. It is not frontline medic. Mm, okay, okay. Uh, I will require another clue, I feel. I will say this this particular creature is affiliated to Boros, as this card does have the Boros watermark ah, stamped on nice. it. nice. Okay, okay, that narrows it down considerably. So... Uh, Boros, you see. 3-3 three, three rare with a badgy thing. Yeah, with the Boros watermark. Hmm. It's not a Reckonogger's Gruel, isn't it? He would be indeed. For he has Blood Rush. Uh, I'm trying to think of another one, Craig. Another 3-3 three, three for... Uh, there's a big Cyclops, but isn't that a 3-4 or something like that? Cyclops. Or is it Cyclops? He's, no, he's, he's not even rare. I, I, I can give you another clue if you're... Uh, there's a big stupid angel thing, but that would be a woman, wouldn't it? And there's a fireman avenger, but that's a, it'd be girly, wouldn't it? I'm sure it's a girl. All, all angels, with the exception of one, are female. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the only one who isn't is because he's plain shifted or something like that. In plain air chaos, I think. Yeah. Right, I am going to need another clue here, Craig. I am struggling today. Okay, uh, this creature has hybrid mana in its mana cost. Oh, okay, that's the Reckoner, isn't it? it Boros is Reckoner. Yeah, it okay. Indeed, the Boros okay. Reckoner. He kicked my ass so many times. Man, at least twice. I don't like that guy. But he's a Minotaur wizard. How yeah. awesome is that? I mean... Yeah. Traditionally, Minotaurs had Shaman, didn't they? It was always Minotaur Shaman. Okay, he can be a wizard if he wants to be a wizard. And the Ethereum Horn Saucer, I think, is also a wizard as well. And it's Minotaur Wizards. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Minotaur Wizards, they're making a comeback? Resurgence? I'm not <laughs> sure. Well, I'm definitely glad they're bringing more Minotaurs into the game. Because there was, for a long time, there was like the occasional Minotaur. So you had like Harloon Minotaur, and you had the Labyrinth Minotaur from like 4th edition and stuff. And then like you had odd cards which were. They had Minotaurs in the picture, but weren't actually Minotaurs. They were like the Anabab bodyguard and stuff, but they were... Like, they had a big Minotaur, but they had a wee human in the front, but you thought the the, the just the artwork was a big Minotaur, but it wasn't. It was apparently... It was a little guy who was the guy's bodyguard, I suppose. Anyway, for a long time there wasn't many Minotaurs, and everyone likes a Minotaur. Yeah, and saying Dragon's Maze is coming up, and Minotaurs are famous for being... Protectors oh, this, in this, this is true. This is true. Hopefully, we'll see more minotaurs. You would hope so. Are, are they minotaurs or minotaurs? Uh, I think it's a tomato tomato thing. Yeah. Minute minute minotaur. Hmm. I like minotaurs. Minotaur. <laughs> okay, I have a card in front of me, Craig. Excellent. Okay, so on this card. I want to find the card that I... I don't actually have a card in front of me. 
I've got. It would, it, that would very much help you. I want to find the card. I had a card in mind. Hold on. I've lost my card. Oh, I found it again. Right, okay. Craig, I have a card in front of me. Good. <laughs> I'm glad. Okay. So, this card has two words in its title. Okay. In its name. Okay. It is a sorcery. Urban evolution. It is not urban evolution. Okay. Okay. It costs five. You haven't specifically said this is from Gatecrash or not, have you? This is from Gatecrash. Okay. Okay. Would I do that to you, Craig? Yes. <laughs> Unabashedly. Um. And it's like converted mana cost five. It's not like an artifact. Okay. Um. Ah, I've got a card in my head, but I'm trying to remember its name. This isn't the coerced something or other, the Demir card. It is not co- cursed something or other, buddy. Okay, never mind. Uh, Coerced confession. Uh, yes. It's not that. Continue okay. then. Would you like another clue? Okay. Yes. This is an uncommon. Nope. It's nope. not no helping, help. I don't think, no. Okay, uh, what have I got left? I've got colours, I've got a guild symbol, and I've got flavour text. What would you like? Ooh, um... I honestly think colours, something as simple as colours may really help. Okay, I'll give you the, the guild symbol then. Okay. Because it's pretty much the same thing, isn't it? It has a gruel guild symbol. A gruel guild symbol. This isn't frenzied tilling. It is frenzied tilling! Yay! Yay! Ah, oh, I want to read it. The flavour text. You won't read out the flavour text, then. <laughs> is it contraptions pollute our lands, burn them down, kill their makers, and cleanse the earth? Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, that's what, why what, I liked it. What are you saying about is it? <laughs> I'm saying nothing. Okay. We don't pollute any lands. We're just doing experiments. We're friendly guys. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Don't mind the mysterious green gas that's floating around. It's not poisonous to anything that's alive. Exactly. We're fine. Yeah. Don't you wear a gas mask all the time at any rate? Hmm. So, what do we do now, Craig? Uh, I think we should talk about Grand Prix London. Oh, really? I, You know, I was at Grand Prix London. So was I. Cool. So uh, we can talk about this, can't we? I would hope so. <laughs> so, uh, how do you want to start us off? Um, how about, let's talk how we got to Grand Prix London. Okay. I had, I had a nice comfortable journey, Craig. Did you know? It was a long journey, but it was comfortable. I, I got on the train about, that's about a 20 minute drive to the train station for where I live, and then it was a five and a half hour train journey to London like with no stops that's pretty good yeah like no like no changes the train, train stopped I think five times it stopped like Edinburgh York Newcastle places like that but didn't stop much okay and I helped people solve a crossword puzzle which was interesting 
It's a highlight of my journey, really. Did that help you prepare for the grueling magic matches that were coming up? Do you know what? I think it did. It made me feel really good about myself. (laughs) Because the people, the people that were doing their crossword, they were sitting with their copy of The Guardian, and uh, me and Emma were sitting looking a bit scruffy. I'm here's this unshaven guy in his hoodie sitting, and Emma's sitting munching cheese and ham rolls at the other side of the table. We looked a bit rough. (laughs) And uh, they were sitting with their copy of The Guardian, sharing their crossword. And uh, they got stuck in a few words, and I managed to get four of their words. They were like, I was like, oh, perhaps, perhaps that uh, phrase is "shove off" that you're looking for. And they're like, oh yeah, thank you very much. But really, I could see they were angry inside that I, I was solving their puzzle for them. So I stopped for a while, and then they were stuck on another word. And I was like, you know, I think that's snag. And they're like, oh, it is. And they were so happy, but then they were kind of angry. And then I also got textiles and. What was the last one? I can't remember what the last one was now. Vocalist, I got, Craig. And that was the highlight of my train journey down. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. We had hoped to get some games of magic in on, across the table, but we hadn't counted on feeling quite so awkward. You know, it should have been like, get out the way, we're a crossword, we're going to play magic. But uh, we decided not to. I read my book, I was reading some Game of Thrones. But, uh, okay. yeah, that was my journey down. How was your journey down, Craig? Uh, well, mine was a little bit more arduous. Um, got home from work early to get packed. Decided to take my time by packing. There's no point rushing, just keeping myself calm. Eventually decided, uh, to leave the house at 8 because I was planning to drive down. I left it too late to actually, um, well, organize any other form of travel. So I, um, forced myself into the only situation I had left, which was driving down. So yeah, left the house at about 8. Um, had to had planned to stop somewhere along the way when I got too tired to take a break and then just sort of finish the rest of the journey early on Friday morning. But instead, I just actually drove all the way down to London in a one nine-hour-long trip. Oh, God. So, left at eight. I uh, eventually got to the hotel, which was very awkwardly positioned. The road to get to it, you had to, like, wind your way through two other hotels' car parks to get onto a road which led you to the hotel. I know all about this, but we'll come to this later, Craig. Yeah, so anyways, <laughs> it was. It took me 20, 25 minutes to do the last, like, half a mile because it was confusing trying to find out where the heck the road to the hotel was. But anyway, got into the hotel at 5 and uh, went up to the uh, person at the desk and went, look, I've booked for the next three days, but I'm here early, so I need, like, a room for the night. And she was just like, it's fine, we'll just, like, give you early booking and just give you the room now. I was like, thank you so much, I'm so tired. (laughs) I've been driving from nine hours or so the way from Edinburgh, help me. So she was very nice, and I was very tired. But I did it all in one trip. I mean, I obviously stopped for breathers along the way, but I drove all the way to London. Yay, well done, buddy. Thank you very is that, much. Is that, is that your longest uh, unbroken driving journey? Yes, it is. I think the longest I've ever driven is probably six hours, which is going up to John O'Groats from where mm. we are, um, yeah. which is a completely different style of driving. That's a lot of country roads and winding uh, yeah. stuff, where instead of just three, four-lane motorway all the way down, pretty much, but... Yeah. I mean, on the... When, when we got in, we, we got in at probably about 
half four, five o'clock at night, something like that. And uh, we got the tube into the hotel. And then we basically just had to dump our stuff, get a shower, and we're heading back out again because we went and watched um, We Will Rock You, you know, the show? I do. Queen singing show thing. It was really good. But, uh, yeah, that's what we did with our night because we'd had such a relaxing journey on the way down. We had time taking a show on the... In fact, that was the, that was the Thursday we went down. Yeah, well, yeah. it was the Thursday I went down. It's just it was the Friday I arrived, so... Yeah. <laughs> well, so that's what we did. Yeah, because we, we kind of decided, because, like... I knew that the GP would be a pretty tough event to actually compete in. You know, there's a lot of people, and with it being sealed, there's a lot of variance in what could happen. And there's going to be, like, eight happy people at the end of the day, or, well, maybe 64 happy people at the end of the day, and the rest of that 2,000 are going to be going home a bit disappointed. And I was kind of preparing myself for that by saying, well, we'll go down a bit early, and we'll leave a bit late, and we'll do touristy things in London. So the, the weekend's not entirely about the GP. You know what I mean? So it was kind of a sort of emotional cushion <laughs> preparing for the worst. Yeah. And that's what we did. We did a bit of touristy stuff, so it was cool. Okay, so Friday rolled around, or in my case, after a couple hours sleep, I woke up again. And the venue was open a day early. I guess you got there after I did, because really early on in the morning was the judge conference. Oh, right, yeah, yep. Actually, I'm trying to remember. I think I think I got up, played a game of Commander with a judge, then walked in with a judge, another judge, um, to the judge conference. So we had... <laughs> hold on, hold on. Is this just a, a, an experiment to find how, how many times you can say the word judge? judge. No, it's unintentional. <laughs> A meta was someone, we played a game of Commander, and then together we went to the J conference. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Uh, so there was seminars going on, so the first one I went to was all about missed triggers, saying that has been a constant nightmare for anyone trying to follow that. Yeah, I don't so think, It's not something you need to worry about a Friday Night Magic, a regular REL, but... No. It is. I mean, there was some controversy, wasn't there? Yeah, um... At one stage, when they had just changed a couple of the documents, somebody got disqualified for telling the truth at one event. That was um, because of an odd segue between missed triggers and a change in the IPG. And, anyways, yes, missed triggers is now looks to be at its best form and is a bit more straightforward than it was before. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's not, like you say, it's not a sort of thing that comes up at a, a Friday Night Magic very no, often. No, Friday Night Magic mistriggers don't actually work anything like that. Mistriggers are simply, your opponent says, yes, it happens, or no, it doesn't happen now. Yeah. That is the rules for mistriggers as far as Friday Night Magic goes. So don't worry about it, that, all the rest, unless you're going to something like a PTQ or a GP or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So where were we? We were Friday, were we? Yes, so, judge yeah, conference, or at least I was in the judge conference. Yeah, I was toes up in bed, I think. Oh no, I tell you what, I was doing. I was wondering about London taking in the sights. That's nice for some. Yep, yep, nice. that's what we nice. were doing. We were doing a bit of sightseeing, taking some photos. So, what time did you actually get to the venue on the Friday? Uh, about quarter to two, something okay. like that, or quarter to one. When, when did registration open? Registration opened at two. Um, although the doors opened at 12. Yeah, because we yeah we got there at quarter to two. There was no queue for registration at this point because registration hadn't opened. There was about 10 people standing at the uh, the desk to register for things, just for side events or whatever they were doing at the time. 
And uh, me and Emma, my partner Emma, for those who don't know, came with me to uh, uh, London as well. And we, we were looking at this and saying, well, we've got a quarter of an hour before registration opens. Do you want to get something to eat? Yeah, we'll get something to eat. So we went to a pub outside. We got ripped off, paid a fortune for some food and some beer. And uh, we came back in a bit disgruntled. It was paying so much for food, but that's London for you. It was just like, a, ah, not going to go into that. But anyway, okay. got back and we found the queue to uh, registration had obviously opened. And the queue was now doubled up along the full length of the hall, back down the length of the hall, or the width of the hall, and out the door. And I was like, ah, we should have stayed, shouldn't we? <laughs> so then it meant we had to queue for about at least an hour and a half, maybe more, to get registered. Yeah, anyone coming to a GP, do try to get yourself registered on Friday, and do expect a horrendously long queue. Now, fortunately, I was kicking her about at the time when the queue started forming, and I was able to get into it where it was only half an hour long. Yeah. But I was yeah. one of the lucky ones. Yeah. I mean, it was going really slow to start with. I don't know if they managed to streamline the procedure a bit as the, as the queue got down, because they started passing out the, you know, you get a, what's it, a disc- disclaimer sheet type thing to say that wizards can use your photograph and things yeah. if you happen to win anything. Then do you, it was basically a terms and conditions sheet. And uh, they got these distributed down the queue eventually, and that kind of sped the process up a bit. But yeah. Oh, one of the other things, which, I don't know, it, it kind of surprised me, they only took cash payments. They had no facility for taking card payments. Oh, really? I didn't even notice that. Yeah, this I... happened because I think we were, there was maybe 20 people in the line in front of us when, uh, well, I sort, I sort of noticed that they didn't have any card machine. I told him and he was like, right, I'll be right back quickly. And then about five minutes later, the guy in front of me went, Oh, uh, can you hold my place in the line? Like, there's only about five people in front of us at the stage. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, I can hold your place in the line, but I'm going to be at the front of the line in, like, a couple of minutes, <laughs> so you're going to be half a quick mate. Um, got up to the desk, and we I deliberately start, took my time, and then when I saw the guy who was in front of us come back, I sort of waved him over as if he was part of the party, but... That was that would have been bad for him. He would have had to go all the way back to the beginning. So <laughs> as a warning, bad, yeah. if you're going to a GP, make sure you got cash. Yeah, because you do not want to get us from that queue and go, and they're going. Oh, we only take cash, and you've only got card, and you may yeah. have to requeue. One thing and I won't name names here, but one thing some people we know uh, did was uh, look for their friends in the queue and go and speak to them. And if you happen to get to the front of the queue faster doing that way, well, it was better for you. Because <laughs> it was like, yeah, that's a bit sneaky. I'd, like, one chap came and spoke to us, and we just assumed he'd already registered. And he's speaking away, being quite polite, speaking away, talking, reminiscing. And then, uh, oh, that's handy, I'm at the front of the queue. It's like, oh, you cheeky person. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So that's, that's a piece of advice, you know. Because <sighs> nobody's going to start a fight about it. It's kind of underhand, though. Yeah. Yeah. Dear me. <laughs> what happened after that, Craig? Um, well, there are public events going on all the time during Friday. So if you want to get yourself into a Grand Prix trial, so you can get... So if you win that, you get three uh, buys at the Grand Prix. So there, those were firing all the time. They were sealed for those that were uh, standard constructed. There was also other events going on, so there were booster drafts going on, uh, two-headed, bo- two-headed giant booster drafts sealed, 
events. And something called chaos drafting. Do you know what chaos drafting is? I do, but I imagine there will be people out there who don't. Yes, so chaos drafting is just like a normal draft. You get eight people, each of them get three boosters, but all 24 boosters are different. So you're not drafting with 24 gate crash boosters, you're drafting with a gate crash booster, an Innistrad booster, and a Dark Century booster, and a Meridim booster, and uh, you keep going and naming as many types of boosters you want. It can be anywhere from Magic's history. So that's what we did, Chaos Drafting, which is challenging. And <laughs> a bit slow to draft, because you open the booster and go, I've never seen Prophecy before, let's read what all these cards do. <laughs> so that was an interesting experience. I didn't draft particularly well. Um I don't think... Well, I didn't understand how good some of the cards were, because... This is a really zany format. Like, yeah. I started opening Mirrodin, and I was being passed Champions of Kamigawa, then I'm being passed Nemesis. I didn't do particularly well. I think I went one and two. But yeah. it, was, it was interesting, to say the least. And you get the weirdest card interactions. It's like yeah. Commander, sort of. Yeah, I imagine it'd be like drafting somebody's cube that you've never seen before. It is a bit like that. Yeah. Um... Although the, the, the big uh, draw of the Chaos Draft, at least here, was that there was the prizes. We also got booster prizes, which, again, were more random boosters. But whoever won got a revised booster. Oh. So there's always the potential for a dual land to be in there, but mm. that was one of the draws. Um, there was also unhinged and unglued boosters kicking about. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, Rather so... Not of spanking anybody. Exactly. So you, you know, you you had um, these unglued cards or unhinged cards in with black bordered magic cards, and you just had to play with them as if everything was perfectly normal. So with with your rocket powered turbo slug. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be cool. So um, that was interesting. I won't say I had, I personally had terribly much fun because I didn't draft a particularly good deck. I drafted basically blue, white, you can't do anything, but I don't do anything either sort of deck. Yeah. It was a control deck which didn't have any way to win. It was just that, now you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. Okay, fine, I've run with camera spells now. Yeah. So. I mean, on the Friday, we didn't do, like, any, we queued up, got our play match, and registered. And that was all we did on the Friday because we had made, made uh, bookings for a comedy club that night and we were a bit tired after standing in the queue for an hour and a half. So it was just like, let's get over and done with and we'll be nice and fresh for the GP tomorrow, which is the main event. So that's what we did. Yeah. Um, I, I regret not doing the Rich Hagen magic show. Oh, yeah, I never even saw this. So, in one corner of the room, uh, Rich Hagen was uh, in front of a whole bunch of teams. It was a pub quiz. I, I hope that's a universal concept. Yeah. You know, you get in, so you get into teams of one to four, you get a piece of paper in front of you, and Rich Hagen asks Magic really to questions, and you write down answers, and if your team wins or something like... Well, if your team wins, like, that round or that round of questions... You get thrown boosters, random boosters. Now, he had in front of him a box of Ravnica, a box of Dissension, and a box of Guild Pact. And he was just throwing out random boosters when people got questions right. 
Ah, oh, cool. Which was pretty cool, but unfortunately I missed when it started, and I didn't have, like, a team. Like, I know you could have just been, like, a, like a one-man team, but it's like, yeah. not a bummer. Because there were, there were very knowledgeable people in there. There were pro players sitting in there. I mean... Yeah, but, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean... They are knowledgeable. I mean... Yeah, what, they are. Yes, yeah. but um, I missed that. So instead I did sealed practice back in the hotel. Now, this is one thing I didn't realise which would happen, uh, maybe due to my ignorance, but in the foyer slash restaurant of our hotel, it was, for all three days, just mob with Magic players drafting, <laughs> playing sealed. I know why that time. is, Craig. I know exactly why that is. Mm-hmm. It's because because the that would be the hotel with the best uh, prices within that area. Well, that's and true. Ma- magic players are by nature cheapskates. True, but <laughs> I, I just didn't expect it to be taken over all the time when the bar staff just kind of having to sit there going, "But it's a restaurant, but you're not buying food." Ah, but yeah, it was, what, what what is this madness you've brought to our house? I know, so they were all just standing at the bar going, what is going on here? Well, there's like 50, 60 players of, ma- you know, just playing yeah. Magic. In fact, I think a Friday Night Magic event, like, actually took off on Friday because there was somebody with um, the software in front of him and he was organizing a 16-man draft and it seemed, it may have been, um, <laughs> I don't know, but that was pretty cool. We we just did seal practice uh, in preparation for the day afterwards, but... Which worked out well, because I, I, you know, I think we all opened pretty weak pools, and it was just sort of a lesson in, you know, you're not always going to open in a nutty pool, but you still have to, you know, make the best of it. And I think I did reasonably yeah. well in the sealed event we actually did, so I felt quite good about that. Cool. So, the main event, Craig? Saturday, indeed. Day one. Um, how did your day begin? What, before games, or? Yeah, before. I, as, I, to- I had beans, toast, and scrambled eggs, Craig. <laughs> Fair enough. I think I had cereal and bacon was what I had. Um, nice. I got a, a a quick thrashing at Commander um, very early on, and then I headed out. Yeah, I mean, we just went straight there. Like th- this was kind of the 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 payoff for the whole holiday weekend thing for me was that we'd do non magic related stuff on the Friday and the Monday, but. Saturday and Sunday were all just magic, kind of focused on that, you know. So it was just straight to the the venue and just in, in the proceedings of uh, registering decks and things and all the usual stuff that goes on at these things. Yeah, um, just for people who are unaware, what happened, we all got pl- uh, seated based on, I think it was surname, basically, Um and then you get six packs of boosters thrown in front of you, just like sealed. You open them all up. You organize them all uh, so you can register them on a deck registration sheet. So basically saying how much of each card you've got in the sealed pool. And then once you've done that, uh, the head judge tells you how to pass that pool over. So you don't play with what you open. Yeah. Um, now, the interestingly, the guy in front of me clearly was also brand new to this. So what he did, he opened up all the sealed stuff, worked like put it all into piles by colour and by guild, and then he started making his deck. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think when he started, I only started noticing when he started sleeving it, where I had to kind of go, um, you know this is just registration, this is not the pool you're playing with. And he was all a fluster, and we had a bit of a kerfuffle where... 
the judge had to move a lot of different packs, like the different pools around, just to make sure everything had got double-checked and checked and was being done right. Yeah. So that was interesting. Yeah. I mean, the only, the only thing I had with registration is, like, I think that kind of process, like organising uh, cards and uh, documenting it, takes me slightly longer than it does your average Magic player. So it's not a thing that, that I do every day, you know. And uh, so I'm, I get my cards all sorted out, right? Have them all organised by by colour, and then I organise them all alphabetically, and then I go down the sheet and say I've got one of those, and I've got two of those, and I've got one of those, and I had it all, like the entire pile, organised in exact same order as the sheet goes, as I thought, you know, this is why you're meant to do it. And uh, I'm looking up, and I see the guy opposite me at the table, he's, he's done his, right? He's sitting there looking quite happy, and I think, God, he was quick. Right? He was fast. Yeah. He's very efficient. I feel like a right idiot still doing this. Oh, God. <laughs> so and then I double check it and then say, right, ha- Pat, switch with the person opposite you or the person next to you and uh, double check. So then I get his pool that he's checked, right? Uh-huh. And all he's done, he sorted them into colour, fair enough, and then he's just tallied them. Like, you know what I mean? Like tallies instead of numbers. Right. Right? So it looks like he's got 1 and 11 and I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> and and uh, I'm looking at the pool of cards, and obviously they're not in any particular order. So I'm trying to double-check his pile of cards. And it's t- again taking ages because none of these are in order. And it's like, ah, oh, why would you do this? And then, uh, so I tried to get them assembled into order, and then they all got passed around again. I was like, well, I'm glad I'm not working with that pool. And there was a guy at the table uh, a couple of places round, and he seemed really quite switched on, and he was telling everybody, this is what you do, and this is what you do. He seemed like a really, he really had his, uh, his stuff together. And uh, I ended up getting his pool of cards for my deck. So I was actually quite confident that he had checked it quite well, and it was all in order. And it just got a passing glance when I actually came to make my deck to see if it was correct. I just thought to myself, yep, I trust that guy. That's fine. You know, whereas if I'd got the other guy's pool that was opposite me, I don't think I'd have trusted him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so (sighs) in the pool you got passed, what did you end up making or what what was available to you? Uh, Did you open any awesome rares? (laughs) Yeah, I did actually. I got one. But not not particularly awesome for draft or for limited format in general. I got a, a breeding pool. Okay. Which I think was the highlight of my rares so to speak. Let's see if I can remember what I had. Uh, rares-wise, I had... Now, before I go off my rant about my, my poor rares, I, I know that your pool is not entirely based on your rares. You know, it's just my bad beats <laughs> for the whole day. But uh, the... Uh, yeah, my rares. They had a glaring spotlight. Okay. Fan- fantastic. Huh. I had Enter the Infinite. Ooh. I had my breathing pool. Uh-huh. I had a treasury thrall, which I'm not complaining about. That wasn't too bad. Uh, I had a Scrag, Scarg Goliath? Scrag Goliath? I, yeah, Scarg, I don't know. Scarg Goliath? Yeah, one of those big stupid green 9-9s. You really don't like that card. I always seem to get that guy. And an Undercity Plague. Which I actually think I really underrated. And, cause, cause I was like, well, it's effectively a six mana thing that can get killed easily I'm not running, I made the decision not to run it out of hand 
And uh, looking back, maybe should have played, played, played. I don't know. It's powerful effect, but anyway. So the rest of my pool was fairly evenly spread across the colours. I had a few removal spells. I had a mugging. I had grizzly black card four mana. Guy grizzly spectacle. Grizzly spectacle. That's I had one of those. I had a devour flesh. Uh, I think. I maybe had a pit fight. So, I mean, I had some removal, but it was fairly spread out across the place. But uh, I think what swung me when I was actually making my pool was I had a... a uh, the blue drake, sapphire drake. I had a sapphire drake, and I had a reasonable amount of uh, simic stuff. Like, I had a cloudfin raptor, and I had a couple of the green... Two threes, I want to say, with Blood Rush. I had a decent amount of stuff in green and green and blue, so I decided green and blue it is, and I'll splash black for some of my removal, and that'll be my deck. And I actually had a lot of good synergies going on. I had uh, Simic Guild Mage, and uh, things that put counters on stuff. And it generally felt good. I had the, uh, the green denizen which puts counters on your guys when they come into play. Ivalian. And I was thinking that, yeah, I, yeah Ivory and Dennis. I'm rubbish for card names, Craig. Okay. But you know what? You guys know what I'm talking about, don't you? Everybody knows, everybody knows what I'm talking about. So my overall feeling from a deck when I was making it that, okay, it wasn't really bomby, it was, didn't have a great concentration of removal, but there was quite a bit of synergy. But when I look back, I think most of the synergy was with Sapphire Drake and a lot of my plan revolved around getting this one card in play. Which maybe is why it fell on its face quite a bit because the so end result was that I didn't win a single round the entire day. So the uh, yeah, looking back, I could have made a different deck. I think a better deck from a pool was maybe some of the Boros stuff I had. I like I could have gone uh, Boros splashing black and got made use of the Treasury Thrall and my removal and other stuff. But you know, hey. Beauty of hindsight. It may not have made a difference, you know? Yeah. How did you get on, buddy? Um, my pool was... It wasn't the best. It wasn't the worst. But I think it didn't give me many options with regards to what I was building. I had a good number of red and green cards. But they weren't... Like, there wasn't the number of playable uh, cards. So, yeah. like, I had... A bomber core, an ember beast, a fire fist striker, a foundry shoot denizen, and a massive raid. And then I had the Hellkite Tyrant and the Molten Primordial, but there was nothing, there was nothing to bridge the gap between early stuff and my bombs. Mm. Uh, and this was a similar picture in I think a couple other colors. So I was really just left with playing Orzhov, because Orzhov just had enough playable, decent cards that I could make a decent enough deck out of it. But the problem with my Orzhov thing was the only rare I was running was Cryptgast, which is really nice. It sorts out your mana for extorting all day long, but it doesn't really do anything other than that. So if you don't have other spells to cast and enough extort sources, Cryptgast isn't really doing too much. Mm. Uh and while he, he, I mean, he does work, like, specifically because he just gives you all the mana you need for extort, but I just had a reasonable, um, 
Orzov deck, whose end game was just to grind you out with enough extort and just with enough flyers, because I had two Basilicus creatures, I had a Kingpin's pet, a Gift of Orzova, a Death Cult Rogue. So I had ways to get through. Um, also, I was like sort of coming up the board with uh, two Judiful Thrills, two Knights of Obligation, Basilica Guards. Um, not sure if there's anything else. And this deck also had a couple of removal spells. Uh, two Deaths Approach, which I know aren't the best unless you can actually get guys in the yard already. And in fact, there was one game where I had both Deaths Approach out and both of them were just doing nothing. Uh, a single Grizzly Spectacle. Um, I think that was all I really had. Mm. But I just had a decent, uh, well, yeah, you know, middle of the road sort of Orisoft deck. Yeah. It doesn't sound too bad. It, it wasn't too bad. It just, there was, n- there was nothing exciting about it. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I, lo- I was just saying, a lot of my games, I got killed. It was a case of I got killed by something I couldn't answer. And that seems like a really obvious thing to say. But, I mean, a lot of my games I got blown out by something quite bomby, and I'm like, I kind of wish I had a bit of that power in my deck just to have those accidental wins. But, you know, there just wasn't anything like that happening for me, you know? It was like a hard slog the whole way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, did any were any of your games noteworthy to you? Did anything stand out? Or do you want to go through your games one by one? I don't know if it's worth going through them one by one. It'll be a very depressing show, I think. Yeah. The... Uh, my first round, I seem to remember my last game, well, both my first, my first game got ended by a Boris Reckoner, and then the second game got ended with Boris Reckoner and Cinderella Elemental being on the table, so it's like I was stuck, where I couldn't do any damage to the Reckoner, and even if I did, he could just tap the Cinderella Elemental and kill me, and it's like, ah, how did I deal with that? I can't deal with that. Good game. Uh, the next round, I got killed by a Wrecking Ogre played from the hand in one of the games anyway where it was I was sitting on 14 lives and he attacked with the I think it might have been the no it's a 4-4 um can't remember the name of the card red card quick check uh the thundering oh what's his name the big guy the big Boris guy who can get vigilance possibly Anyway, it's a big stupid 4-4, and he uh, attacked me with it, I'm sitting on 14 lives, and I'm thinking, well, I could trade with my, or I could just trump block it, I suppose, and stop the damage, but what the hell, I can take 4 damage, oh, Tower and Thunderfist. Yeah, Tower and Thunderfist. Yeah, that's what it's called, yeah. I could just take the damage, it's only 4, I was looking at a pretty good position for attacking back, and you know, I should have thought about it, I should have thought about it, you know, the, but he was playing mostly Boros. But he managed to play out the Reckon Ogre onto Turn Thunderfist, giving him plus three, plus three, and double strike, which works out as 14 damage, funnily enough. Yeah. And uh, that was the end of that game, and I was like, oh well, let's play again, and we played again, and I got beat again, I was like, oh dear. So I was starting to feel the depression kicking in at this point. You know, it had been a long couple of days just getting there, and and then, uh, I mean, I think you could tell my mood had dropped by by the second round, and I? I was. I was down in the dumps. Yeah, we were we were grouping up as uh, as a group uh, at the end of each round, and you were getting steadily more. Yeah, it was it was just because uh, everybody else was doing really well. <laughs> and I was like, why is everybody else doing so well? And I started feel <laughs> I started willing everybody else to do worse. I was like, hope they all get beat. Hope they all get beat. Nah, 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 it'll be okay. Don't 
don't be, don't get beat, but hope they all get beat, <laughs> you know. So oh, they end up feeling bad for for willing ill upon everybody else. <laughs> you know, like even Emma was doing better than me, and <laughs> she didn't even want to play. That <laughs> is a bit. Yeah. 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 Hey ho, hey ho. I've gotten over it now, though. I've gotten over now. I've gotten over it now. <laughs> you keep telling yourself that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an ongoing battle. Yeah. <laughs> so how did your rounds go, buddy? Um, I started off reasonably strong. I uh, won my first round against four-colour stuff, wielding heavy removal. Um, gone to round two against a really serious uh, guy who had got one by, and he was clearly planning for the long haul. When he played the Gideon on game one, I was a bit concerned. He then ultimated it, and yet I still won the game. Um, I just bashed him down into uh, really low uh, hit points when he ultimated, and that, I just had that, the. Lo- that's a bit funny, Craig. I seem to remember you being on the other side of that situation in the past. Uh, yes, I have been. I was at the pre-release where I needed the ultimate to win. And it, and then he killed my Gideon before I could ultimate, and that's how he won. Whereas I had the choice, like I I had a couple of creatures which could hit. I had my flyers, and I decided I could either hit Gideon, or I could hit him and then pray that after the Gideon wipe that I can just bash in with the final few damage, and that ended up working for me. Hmm. Um, that was game one, but then the other two, I I just uh, think I. He got screwed in the third game, which is how I sort of easily won that one. Unfortunate as it was. Uh, the next three games were against three very serious, dour, unhappy, uh, this is not a game, this is serious, this is my life, Frenchman. I'm not, I'm not generalizing, like all three <laughs> of them, all three of them were French, all three of them were really serious. I mean, the guy, I think it was the, my fifth round guy, uh, the, he beat me. And, this was an Orzov mirror match. The game went long, but he beat me and I, uh, 2-0, and I just went to him, a oh, good game, and he just went, well, thank you. It's like, <laughs> no, no, don't, don't, look, you just won. Don't be, I just. Yeah. I mean, th- these are guys that have come from a different continent to come and play in this event. They haven't you know, come from you know a different that- continent. They came through the, the tunnel. There's a tunnel <laughs> between France and Britain. They came probably less way than I did on a train, so they didn't have to drive. And, <laughs> and then they're just being... I, I, there's no reason, even if you're being serious, that you can't be friendly at the same time. I have to say that was one of the perks of getting beaten a lot. You meet nicer people as you go down the lists in the round. As you get further to the back of the room, along the tables, you meet nicer and nicer people because everybody's relaxing and chilling out and they're accepting that... You know, they're out of the running, probably, you know. I only went to round four before I dropped. But, uh, yeah, you definitely meet nicer people as you go down in the ranks. Um, I don't know, is, is the opposite true of going up in the ranks? I don't know. I mean, I don't see why you can't be friendly whilst being serious. Like, I'm serious at Friday Night Magic, because I know if I start getting joking and emotional, as in I let my emotions come into play and I get excited about stuff, I play worse. So I'm, I'm quite serious, but I'm still quite friendly. I don't see why other people can't be like this, but who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about uh, gamesmanship, I suppose. Some people will try and deliberately annoy you, like try and tilt you, as they say. You know, like, so if they realise that whatever it is they're doing is getting up your back, they know that you're potentially less likely to make 
good decisions if you are angry. I mean, it 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 didn't bo- it bothered me insofar as they were just not being very subtle when there was no need to be. Yeah, but it didn't affect my game. Um, yeah, um, you were talking about Games of Thrones earlier, weren't you? Yeah. Um. So one of the guys I was playing against was Joffrey. So right. I just sat down to that match, going, "Well, I need to beat you. You've got you got a name like Joffrey." <laughs> I hate Joffrey in Game of Thrones. I did actually beat Joffrey, which was good. So I, I feel, I feel good about that. My good, good, good reason is any to. Yeah, maybe, my, my best. Maybe that's why they didn't like you, Craig. <laughs> You're what? sitting there going, hmm, "You've got the same name from that guy from the TV program that I watched that time." Yeah, I don't like I don't like you. I don't like him, and I don't like you, and yeah, that's. No, well, the other guys was Jordan and Stefan, so you tell me why, where I should hate Jordan and a Stefan from. I don't know. Mm. Anyways, round six, which is where I finally went from three and two to three and three and decided to drop saying everyone else at that stage had also got at least three losses and they dropped and I didn't sort of want to be the odd one out still playing while everyone else was doing other fun stuff. Yeah. Um, that was, that was the best game, my round six game against, um, I think Ashraf Abbas, I think, would be the correct pronunciation. I, I played Ashraf Abbas too. Did you? Yeah, round three. Oh, that's cool. He, shout, shout out to Ash. Did did you find him just to be an exceptionally nice and friendly gentleman? He was. He, I, I believe it was Ash that uh, re- reconogred me. Right. But he, but he did it nicely. <laughs> you know? I mean, Ash is... is was just a gentleman. He was very friendly, uh, talk, talking just about magic in general and enjoying himself. And that's how everybody should be. You should just be not necessarily chatty, I suppose, but just friendly and warm, inviting and happy to be there. Yeah. That's exactly. what everyone should be like, I think. Yeah. Yep. But then one thing I did notice walking around day two anyway, when you're looking at the people who are playing day two and you look at the people who because uh, there were some names there. There were people like, I mean, oh, I'm not that great at recognising magic celebrities. You're better than me, than me, Craig, and you're pointing them out. But yeah. I was just wondering about uh, after dropping and wondering about on the Sunday, I was sort of having a casual glance at these people because they stand there a bit and I watch how they play. And even when they weren't in the running, there just was absolute focus. Do you know what I mean? Just sitting calm, Watch, watching the game unfold, maybe a bit of banter between them and the opponent, but not a lot, really, to be fair. Just focus and concentration. You know, that's the one thing I think I've taken away from the GP is that that is the, I want to say that that's the zone you have to be in. Just you're watching the game and nothing else is happening except the game. You know, and if that comes across to people as being cold or as being rude, then I'm sorry, but if that's what it takes to win, and you want to win, then maybe that's okay. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Anyways, um, wrapping up. Uh, well, actually, no, sorry. Mm. We've just done day one. Uh, yeah. Can, can I say one more thing about what I did on day one after I dropped Craig? Sure. Yeah. Well, I dropped round four because I'd, I'd lost every round at this point. Um, I was in a bit of a depression and I was determined just to go and buy some cards to cheer myself up. And there was various card stalls there. There was uh, the the main uh, UK traders. So, well, there was Magic Madhouse was there, a big card stall and lots of selection of foils and 
other random stuff. And there was a European card store which was selling all the same stuff, but it was all in European languages. I'm not that much of an expert, but I think it was mostly German. I could be wrong. Uh, so it was all foreign cards they had, or it seemed to be. And then there was another UK store. I can't remember who you are. I'm sorry. Uh, but beside them, there was two tables set up, and there were artists um, doing card signings and speaking to people and generally having a bit of a chit-chat. And the two guys that were there were... Uh, what was his name? Sveklin Velenov. And I think it was Richard Wright. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so when the fifth round started, I was like, well, everybody's sitting down. And because before there was big queues at these people's tables, uh, the queues disappeared when the round started, obviously. So I'm walking about by myself because everybody else is still playing because obviously I'm rubbish at magic. And... Uh, I thought I'm going to cheer myself up instead of buying cards I was going to buy a play set of breeding pools so I'm going to go and see what I can uh, do with these guys so I bought a blank play mat because you can buy uh, just a blank play mat it's pure white and I took it up to Svetlin Velenov and I said excuse me uh, can you uh, draw a wee picture on my on my play mat please he went oh <laughs> okay. Oh, okay okay but give me a break I'll be back in a minute. He'd obviously been sitting signing cards. Okay. And signing cards and signing cards. And I was like, well, that's not the reaction I was expecting, really. But, okay, fair enough. So I'm waiting and waiting and thinking, you know, it's maybe a bit cheeky. It's maybe a bit cheeky just asking him to do this. I'll maybe buy something of him and get him to sign that. So he had prints sitting out. So I, I picked up a Memnite and I, I looked at him and I said, yeah, that looks quite nice. Oh, that, that could look nice in my middle room. So... I got a, a mem night and I put it down. You can sign that. And his assistant or his partner, I'm not sure who it was, she says that'll be six pounds or whatever. That's fair enough. That doesn't seem too expensive for a print. That's fine. And he comes back after a while. And uh, I says it. And he signs the print, which was really nice. I mean, and uh, I says, okay, so there's a picture on the... Are we just a wee sketch? On my play, mate. He goes, yeah, fine. Uh, and then he sort of points at this, we noticed I hadn't noticed before, right? And he says, it's £25. And I was like, actually, do you know what? I'm okay with that. That's That seems like a reasonable price to pay for for your time. As an yeah. artist, you know, he's got to make a living, he's got to put money in his pocket. That's fine, I'm happy with that. There you go, here's my play, mate. Draw away, mate. And he says, what would you like me to draw? He says, anything you like. So he started doodling away and he was looking a bit tired. But as he was drawing, you could see he was getting into it and uh, enjoying himself more and he was putting the wee dots on and finished up and he did a, a version of um, Abrupt Decay in the corner of my playmat. Okay. So it was like a grey and blue version. It was really nice and he signed it and he got fo- he got his photo taken with it as he was drawing it. I think he really got into it. And he's, actually, I think when my first impression of him was, he, oh, he's a bit grumpy, but he was actually just really tired. Yeah. I'm going to sign a million cards. And uh, he actually seems like a really nice guy. And uh, so after that, I thought, all right, I'll get I'll get Richard Wright to do the same on the other side of my playmat. So I went to go over, but he'd already uh, left because he had the same problem as Svetlin, I think. He was tired. Mm-hmm. So he left. But I, I spoke to him on the Sunday. But uh, he wasn't really... Uh, drawing's not really his thing. Okay. He, he, see, I didn't realise. It's something that I'm maybe a bit of ignorance on my part with the art and stuff. I just assumed that, you know, artists, they paint and draw, they're artistic, you know. Hey. But... 
uh, Richard Wright was saying to me that his main thing that he does is on computers and all, his uh, artistic skill is uh, doing all these fantastic drawings and creating these images on computers. I suppose it's just a different medium of art. Yeah. But, uh, he's like, but really, I can't draw, and I don't. He, he, and understandably, he didn't want to draw something that was maybe a bit rubbish yeah. because it's not his. It's not what he works with, and then put his name to it. So he didn't really want to draw my playmat. So I was like, that's fair enough, that's fine. And I got some artist proof cards of him, which are like, just a normal card, but uh, they don't have the magic back, it's just a plain white back. So he he gave me some of those signed, and that was really nice. Nice. And uh, yeah, nice guy. Richard Wright, nice guy. Svetlana Velenov, nice guy. Cool. Yeah. So where were we? Well, that, that, (laughs) that was you talking to the artists. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did not, um, I didn't have anything to sign, which was sort of one of the key reasons I didn't bother going over. Mm. Um, so after I dropped at the end of round six, I headed back to the hotel. I'm pretty sure that's all I did. Because mm. other people oh, yeah. had disappeared, I think other people had potentially disappeared off to do some event, which I wasn't interested in. I think they were wanting to do a s- standard event, which... That has no interest for me, so I decided just to head back to the hotel. Yeah, we did the same, I think. We, I mean, although I dropped after four rounds, that was the best part of the day. Because, like, Emma played the fifth round, I think, and then dropped. And uh, that was, it must have been nearly five o'clock at night by that point. It must have been. Uh, Then we went back to the hotel and got refreshed and something to eat. Yeah, I think we had something to eat. And then we headed out to meet with you guys. Yes, because we decided let's play more magic, because why not? That that was an adventure in itself. So you had fun trying to get to us, didn't you? Yeah. We uh, we knew that you were close to the Excel Centre where the event was. So we just took our same mode of transport back to the Excel Centre where to get a bus because the tube was down for some reason we were working on the line so we had to get the bus to the Excel Centre and then we knew that your hotel was just a short walk from the Excel Centre and we'd got uh, directions from one of our group uh, one of our Friday Night Magic players and he had told us reliably that we just head to the Premier Inn and we go round the Premier Inn and we'll see your hotel was it the Holiday Inn Express or something like that, or Excel? Whatever it was. We see it right behind it. And uh, like, fair enough. So we did this. We got as far as the Premier Inn. We went round the Premier Inn, and sure enough, you could see your hotel. And we followed what looked like the most obvious path. <laughs> and we, we, uh, we stayed on the pavement, and the pavement went alongside a fairly busy-looking road, and we're like, well, fair enough. And then the pavement started to get a little narrower. And we're like, what's going on here? But it's still like, like that's country folk. This still looks like a perfectly acceptable, reasonable pavement. And then we find ourselves walking under an overpass. And there's car wheel hubs lying inside the road and brambles hanging down. And we're thinking, this pavement is quite narrow. Are you sure this is a pavement? And Emma was saying, mm, I don't think so. Maybe we should head back. And go, nah, 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 nah. If this was just an, like a bit of Joe Carriageway that we were walking along, there would have been a sign, or there would have been a barrier, or there would have been something obvious to stop us walking along here, clearly. So we kept walking, we got to the other side of the overpass, and the pavement was blocked by a like aluminium crash barrier just plonked right in the middle of the pavement, and we're like, nope, 
this is not a pavement. We're just walking along the dual carriageway. And uh, so we climbed up on top of the overpass because there was a fairly steep concrete kind of ramp. But it wasn't really a ramp. It was just where the rain runs down. <laughs> we, just, we needed to get our bearings. And we were right beside your hotel, Craig. But between us and your hotel, there was a roundabout, another bit of dual carriageway, a six-foot fence. <laughs> a, a big, it was basically like a moat behind the fence. It was like a dry moat, but it was just uh, grassy waste ground. And it's like, I, I probably could have done it. I was like, oh, I was tempted to, but Emma wasn't up for it, surprisingly. So we had to walk back the way we came and go around the other side of the Premier Inn. <laughs> so, yeah. And then we got there eventually after much going through car packs and uh, jaggy bushes and things. But it was a mission getting there. And later we found out that there was other people who were in the same position. Uh, Ori from the Isle of Man also did the same as us. And uh, another another remote place to live, I suppose, not recognising when a pavement turns into dual carriageway. <laughs> and, uh, he actually made the, the, the run across the roundabout dual carriageway over the fence, across the moat and into your hotel. But, uh, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> wow. But we got there, eventually. For yes. some for some commander. Yes, we played some commander and uh we also played some mini master. Yeah, that was interesting. We played uh mini master but with uh zones of influence because it was multiplayer, wasn't it? And that's something I've never done before. Yeah. So yeah, the idea behind so there's seven of us, am I right in saying? Yeah, I think seven, so. Eight. There was maybe eight because we were contemplating doing a draft. But okay. the, we figured it was a bit too late in the night to start a draft. Yeah, so the idea of Zone of Influence is that you can only affect people so many spaces to the left and to the right of you. So with Zone of Influence 1, even if there's eight people at the table, the only people I can actually affect is the one guy or girl to my left, the one guy or girl to my right, and myself. So if I want to cast a lightning bolt, it's only those three players whose permanence I can target. If I do some sort of global effect, like a Wrath of God, it's only actually the three players, you know, myself and people to the left and my right who are actually affected. That's the idea behind Zone of Influence, because mm. especially with Gate Crash, extorting eight people is silly. Yeah. Which is why you, the, having the sort of, the, the the Zone of Influence is kind of important, unless you just want the one person who happens to get the extort source out early to just sort of run away with life goals. Yeah. Just dominate, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. And didn't we also do the whole, you can only attack to the left, you only defend from the right as yeah. well? Yeah, attack to the left, yeah. Yeah, so... Which was interesting too. Yeah, so the only... Uh, so when you attacked, the only person you could attack was the person to the left, which meant that the person to the right was attacking you, but you had no way to influence them with your own creatures. So yeah. It, yeah, it was interesting. Um, not paying attention to what was happening to to the right... <laughs> uh, I think caused me problems or caused somebody else problems. What, what was it again? Yeah, I, I seem to remember the. I had uh, Ori from the Isle of Man to my right, and he had amassed this massive army of guys. And I think I had maybe one or two chaps, and one of them was the Nav Squad Commandos, the 3 5 white creature. Okay. And uh, what you did, Craig, was you killed him. Yeah. <laughs> and it was about the only thing that was stopping this tide of. of uh, Creatures from the Isle of Man sort of swarming round the entire table. <laughs> and I think you came to regret it. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I promptly did, and so the person to my left, and the person to their left, and the person to their left, and he just went around, I think he was one of the last two standing, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, and the, the only reason that Dan won it, I think, was because the person to his right was being a bit hesitant, he was building up his own little force, but it wasn't particularly impressive, but he wasn't attacking into Dan, so Dan was able to just gain enough over time, I think he had some extort on the go as well, so he was gaining lives. So I think that's why Dan ran away with it in the end, just because one person wasn't pulling their weight, not looking at anybody, Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) So that was Saturday. Yeah, that was Saturday. Saturday was good. Saturday was a lot of fun. Sunday, so we were both, in fact, everyone we knew, I think, was out of contention for day two. Yeah, everybody that came with us anyway. There was a few folk that uh, I've played against from, like, Perth and Dundee, who were still in contention, like quite late on day two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but at least the two of us, we weren't. No, we weren't. We were nowhere near. No. So um, <laughs> had a late start because there was no particular rush to get in. Um, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. Like other people, what were considering to do some of the standard events because there's sort of prize money championships like 800 euro standard tournaments and 1200 euro vintage stuff and I think a couple of people we were with were considering those but personally Mm. um, my plan for uh, day two saying I didn't make day two was to do judgy stuff because um, at the time no longer so you know how this went um, I was (laughs) only a rules advisor but I kind of wanted to become a proper judge so I decided to head in um must have got in about half twelve, which is when the desk sort of opened and uh, went to the guy and said, I would like to be a judge. So the next few hours, so it started off, he interviewed me, asking me a few different questions, just seeing if I had a decent enough rules knowledge. Um, one of the things apparently I'm not so strong on are layers, but um, that isn't too much of an issue for a level one. Uh, after he had the interview, he ran away, found a shirt which I could put on, and then he paired me up with another judge on the standard event which was happening. And for two or three rounds, I, th- I think it was three, but I could be wrong, um, it felt like ages, I was properly judging the event. So when <laughs> someone went, judge, and put their hand up, I, um, I would be the one to run over and answer their questions, which um, I did fine at? I'm trying to yeah. think now. I don't think I made any mistakes, with the exception of one event where this player calls me over and he's got Aurelia on the board. She's equipped with... It's one of these equipment from the Innistrad block, which is... It gets plus X, plus zero, what, X number sorcery in instance? Is that Rune Chanter's Pike, I'm thinking? Yeah, that sounds right, yeah. Yeah, so he's wanting to cast Boros Charm onto Aurelia, give her double strike, and then because at that stage Boris Charm will be in the graveyard, Aurelia's going to do, I can't remember, I think it was like 12 or 14 damage, and thus he was going to do lethal, because this was in declare, you know, blockers already been declared. However, right. it turned out that this wasn't, like, whilst that was the question, his opponent had a different issue, that apparently earlier in the turn, his, op- uh, his opponent had played Detention Sphere, naming Spirit Token. But the spirit right. tokens were being hexproofed by the uh, the drug school captains, right. and thus the only target was either Aurelia or his 
uh, Snapcaster Mage, and th- and this made a difference in combat. Anyways, um, after trying to work out what's happening for about four minutes, the 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 judge who I'm sh- who I'm shadowing eventually steps in. Now he's trying to understand what's going on because the player who ca- who uh, cast the detention sphere took back the spell instead of naming one of his own guys, which he had to do. Yeah. And his, but his opponent wasn't able to properly communicate his dissatisfaction with this because he was Spanish and he didn't have like a very good command of English. Yeah, understandable. So anyway, the judge is trying to work out what's happening. He's trying to get the Spaniard to explain what's going on. But uh, like the judge is Belgian. He's talking to a guy who's uh, who's Spanish. They're both not like well. The judge has got good English, but the player doesn't. And then he tries to find a Spanish judge and can't find one. All the while, the other player is trying to be is very evasive about what's not happened. Anyway, this ends up being a ten-minute-long judge call, hmm. which ends up being resolved with a thing. I, I don't even know actually what happened. I was I was just I was removed from this thing because it was just an absolute. Yeah. Um, I don't even know how to express it without swearing, but it was just a the, mess. The, the first part would be cluster. Yeah, the first part would be cluster. So it, this was a mess, and um, there was a, like a long 10-minute, 15-minute discussion between that judge and some other judges about what possibly should have actually happened. Like, the guy possibly should have been disqualified because he may have been cheating. Like, he knew when he played Detention Sphere he couldn't take it back or stuff like this, but anyways. Yeah. With the exception of that one incident, I judged everything fine. Everything I got called on was fine. One of the interesting things I did note, and maybe this was because it did have a much more international audience than Friday Night Magic, which I'm pretty sure are all just filled with Brits, a lot of just... This guy's played Dungeon Geists. It's in Korean. Can you give me the Oracle text? There's quite a, <laughs> there's quite a few places where it's just like, this is Liliana, you know, De La Vale in German, but I'm Italian. Can you give me the English oracle text? It's like, yes, I can. Yeah. So there was quite a few calls where simply, I don't know what this card does because it's not in my language. Yeah, Translate. I just want to be, be sure exactly what it does, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's quite a few of those calls. But yeah. anyways, that all went fine. Uh, I got a break. They told me to come back in half an hour, and then I sat down and did my test. Really Positive judge feedback. Apparently, like all, I like. I think I ended up following two or three different judges over the event, plus the guy I'd initially spoke to, and all of them were just like, "Why is this guy not a judge yet?" That was apparently the feedback. All of them went, which <laughs> made me feel good going into the test. Yeah. Anyways, what were you doing during all this time? Because that was that was me from like half twelve to five or something like that. Yeah. Well. uh... I only really did one event on the Sunday. Me and Emma went and did a two-headed giant draft. So, basically what you do is you... It's like a normal draft. You have eight players, but you're working in teams of two, obviously because it's two-headed giant. And when you pass your packs round, your team gets two cards. And you you don't have to make your two separate piles, you just make one big pile of cards, and then you decide what your two decks are at the end. And... uh, it went quite well. I mean, like, Emma's a pretty solid magic player, I think. She, she just doesn't play that often. You know, she's not that keen uh, as I am. You know, she gets she plays mostly because I play. You know, it's not. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. So we were just going into this for a bit of fun, and obviously there were people in our draft pool taking it a bit more seriously. And I don't know. 
the, the, our, our match up to start with was against uh, two Swedish guys, and uh, I could tell that they were being a bit kind of, I don't know if it's rude, but they definitely thought less of us because we were, like, obviously partners. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, and uh, I, I really wanted to beat them because of this. <laughs> I was like, you cheeky, you know. And uh, so I played a pretty solid Demir deck, and Emma had some pretty good Simic stuff. And uh, basically the plan was to just be generally aggressive and as a backup plan try and mill one of them out because we both had elements of our decks which could mill. So we would target one guy with all our mill cards and hopefully mill them out with, you know, double power on, you know, double the amount of mill effects. Yeah. But it didn't quite work out. The way we nearly won was with the Underworld, Undercity Plague. Yeah. We nearly won with that on a guy, but we actually lost due to a misplay on my part because I misread a card. And it was one of these, uh, part, part of the mill strategy was with the Cypher card, which forces everyone to discard the cards from their hand and draw more cards. Now, the way I read this card, because I only read it at a glance, and I just thought, ah, that's what this does. I read it as, discard your hand and draw that many cards. Effectively, each player discards their cards and draws that many cards. Fair enough. But how it actually reads is, each player discards their cards and then draws cards equal to the greatest number of cards discarded this way. Yeah, with so madness. Yeah, so... I discard two cards and draw two cards. Emma, dis- uh, Emma goes, what does that do? And I tell her exactly what I think it does. She has no hand at the time. So she doesn't get to draw any cards. And our two opponents discard their hands and each draw seven cards. <laughs> and um, it was only the next turn I thought, wait, how have they got so many cards? And I looked back and I thought, what an idiot. You should you know? have called a judge at that stage. Yeah, but like I say, we weren't taking it that seriously. I just had a bit of a laugh at myself. And that was game pretty much a turn or two after that, you know. So, you know, entirely my own fault, whether it's because of forgetting to draw the number of cards or not calling a judge, you know. But uh, it was still good fun because we played our next round anyway because in that format you don't play best out of three, you just play uh, one match and whoever wins wins because otherwise you'd be there all day. Because you've got like 30 lives and there's a lot going on. So then we played our... Uh, the the other runners up, and we got beat by them too. But it was a an enjoyable experience, you know. Okay. Yeah. Good. That's not that good. Well, <laughs> it could have been better. You said it was enjoyable. I mean, that sounds better than day one, at least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I did enjoy my games on day one, especially as the, the day went on. Just, I would have liked to have done better, Craig. Yes. You know. <laughs> just a little bit. I'm not asking for much. After, so I did my judge test. I passed, as, as I may have preempted at the beginning of the show. Um, so I got congratulated. Uh, met the region coordinator for the UK, Ireland, and South Africa, because oh. those are three very closely linked geographical locations. Of course, former colonies and all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, South Africa is a bit of an odd one. But anyways, met uh, the region coordinator, uh, got a judge foil, which I was happy for. Yay. And uh, then it, that was sort of it. It was I was just sort of like, congratulations, you love one. Now, 
you're done. Woohoo! So, and I sort of hung around for a bit, kind of going, was that, was that it? And, um, was that again? You're, you're, you're making light of this, Craig. I saw you doing your exam part. Uh-huh. And you looked like a man under pressure. Oh no, I, I, <laughs> so one of the things about the exam was I, there were a few questions that I wasn't sure about. And I put down my initial answer, but then in due thoroughness, I double checked and even triple checked all the questions. And on the triple checking, I kind of went, it's between these two answers. I actually think it's that one. So I'd cross on my answer. I put in the, what, what I thought it was, because I was stuck between two. I basically flip-flopped. Mm. And on a lot of my flip-flops, that's where I got it wrong. I moved from the correct answer to the wrong answer, because I would be yeah, overthinking. Yeah. Um, but I still got enough questions to quite happily pass, nevertheless. But yeah, that I was thinking a lot. A lot, a lot, it was, some of the wording was slightly confusing me, because it wasn't what I expected it to be phrased as, but mm. it all worked out fine in the end. Yeah. Um, and then my body failed me. Oh, so terribly. Because <laughs> um, we, we did a draft later, didn't we? After the whole thing. So we, we did a draft with our group that kind of went down and we met Yeah, up. we, we, we had enough boosters between us to do a draft. We decided to rare draft because we each had our own boosters and we didn't want to sort of go to the effort of being, like, I really didn't want to have a serious draft where I had to properly concentrate because I was beat. I, uh, like, I'd just spent the last, whatever, six hours doing judge-related stuff and really concentrating hard on all of that. And yeah. my body was starting to fa- fail me. I could just feel that I was starting... Like, I really just kind of wanted to head back to the hotel relatively quickly just so I could just relax because my body was starting to fail me. So we did a rare draft, so we kept yeah. everything we drafted. And I warned everyone that I would steal all the rares and I ended up walking away with eight of them. Um, <laughs> admittedly, I did fund another player, so that player... His cars was also were also mine, but yeah, between the two of us, we we got eight rares. So you know, yeah, like uh, it's something that I've never been that keen on doing, like rare drafting hmm. uh, outside the Magic Online. But we were sitting down to play, and one of the guys said, "Oh, could we just keep the rares?" And I was like, "Well, it's nice to have something to win." And his answer was, "Why? Why do we have to win something? Why can't it just be for fun?" And I was like, "You know what? You're right. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly." Yeah, because that's really what I was looking for. Just who needs to win? Like the rest. Like yesterday was all serious. It was all about you need to make day two, and then you can go win day two, and then you win the GP, and ha ah. Yeah, and that was all very serious. And even the side events, you know, there was something on the line. Even in the chaos draft, there were boosters on the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas with this, it was just like, no, there's nothing on the line. Just draft and then play, and then you walk away with your cards. Yeah. And that was fine as well. That was absolutely fine doing that. Yeah. It's actually the, you're, it's, it's good knowing that you're walking away with the cards you open sometimes. Indeed. Cause yeah. then even if you, if you, if you play rubbish, you don't have to worry because you've still got something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, we, we, we played and, uh, I can't even remember how well I did. I don't think it was terribly good. No, I think I won. One round, I think you won one round, if I remember. Yeah. You beat me, I beat Pete, Ty's beat me. I think it was one of these ones where everybody did alright. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And, and it was, it was the last game where we were playing each other that one of the judges who, uh, I'd been shadowing came over and went, I heard, congratulations, your judge. And then he gave me, like, 
four or five judge foils. Nice. And that, and that threw me off the game. Like, yeah. I think you saw my, I was just like, what's happening? Where am I? Who's going master? What? I don't know. Pass the turn. I don't understand. Because <laughs> I, I, I was blown away by the, the generosity and I was just dying inside. So I'd lost all concentration on the game, but. <laughs> I think you still won though. You won the match. Did I? Yeah, I think you I'll did. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, you did. You did. Um, but yeah, w- then walked back to the hotel and promptly felt a full-blown fever just hit me. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know when you are working so hard on something that nothing sort of phases you, like you're just concentrated, but the second you stop, everything just hits you at once? Yeah, you just go blur. It was something like that. Like, I'd just been... Because I even woke up on Sunday not feeling terribly well, and when I was told I had to, like, stand around and do judging, I was just like, I am going to die doing this. <laughs> but, you know, I just... I just, You just had to, you know, take it, effectively. You just had to deal with it. And I think after that, it, my body just went, right, well, you've done all that work. Now you can just die. So I ended up in bed, like, two duvets on me, trying to sweat out this fever, whilst absolutely freezing... Watching the BAFTAs. That's how I spent the end of my Sunday. Watching the BAFTAs, suffering from a fully blown fever, feeling really sorry for myself. Yeah, I think Sunday night was the only night we stayed in the hotel and didn't go out and do something else. Because, like, Saturday night we went out to to see you guys. Sunday night we stayed in. And then... And I think Sunday night was my first kind of... uh, Because, like... Whenever I get to the end of a holiday or end of an event, I, I always have this little tug inside that says, no, it can't be over. But I think I had my little tug on uh, Sunday afternoon when Emma was kind of saying, right, come on, let's go. We've done all we're going to do. And I was like, no, oh, let's stay and watch the feature match. Oh, let's stay and see what these people are doing. Or let's walk around and do stuff. <laughs> and uh, I got over it by Sunday night, which I was glad. Because otherwise I can be a right misery on a journey back if I, if, I, if I feel like I've not done enough. Like on su- Sunday I really felt like I hadn't really used the GP and all this uh, magic stuff that was going on. I hadn't really done enough, you know. But I think, you know, in retrospect, I think I did just the right amount, you know. Yeah. Good. Cool. Yeah. So Monday, travelling back home. Ah, yeah. How was that for you? Feeling Feeling rough? Yeah, so when I got to the, like, I drove down by myself. And the plan was to drive back up by myself because everybody else had all their arrangements. But, uh, three of our friends decided that instead of having to rush early on the, uh, Monday morning across to wherever their bus was, they would just hop in the car with me and help pay for the petrol. Which <laughs> sounded like a really good idea on Friday. Yeah. Monday morning. After a night of completely feverish dreams, um, <laughs> where I don't, I, I, I don't know, I was, tr- I don't even know what I was trying to do. Fe- fever dreams are fun in yeah. retrospect. Yeah, see, this is, I had weird dreams on the Sunday as well because it, everything had been so magic oriented. Right, do you want to hear my, the two different dreams that were had? Because Emma was with me and Emma had feverish dreams too. Okay. Right. And me and Emma had completely different experiences on the on the GP because Emma had gone without even really wanting to play. She'd been dragged along and she was gonna go and she was she was gonna go along and uh taking the tourist attractions and things and then maybe offer me some moral support. But she came and played 
actually really enjoyed it. And I don't. I think what took Emma back slightly was the percentage of female players who were at the GP. And now a lot of them were maybe along with their boyfriends, but certainly a few of them were there in their own right playing as magic players. And uh, I think she was surprised by this and felt that she could quite comfortably uh, play in the GP and not feel out of place, which I think was one of the stumbling blocks for on, for the idea of coming down, was that she felt that she'd be like the only woman there for some reason. and uh, But that wasn't the case. And then she actually did quite well. I think she won her first rounds and uh, then did okay in her next games, got beat, but didn't get absolutely crushed. You know, she made a good... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Account she, for herself. Yeah, made a good account of herself. And uh, she came away from it feeling really positive. So, in the morning, on Monday morning, when I wake up, I, I've been having these really bad dreams because I've been disappointed in my performance. And the gist of my dream was that I was... Everybody was going on a bus to play some big magic event. And everybody on the bus had cards that had been given, right? Okay. And I wasn't allowed on the bus because there was a certain card which I didn't have for some reason. I was running about looking for this card like somebody had lost their homework or <laughs> forgotten something. And this was my dream. I couldn't get on the magic bus. And they were going to leave me behind. <laughs> it was like really traumatised. And uh, Emma, was, Emma had some weird dream that she was going on the Pro Tour and she was playing in the Pro Tour because <laughs> she'd had a really positive experience over the weekend. So that well, was a, that, that was the two different dreams. Your, your two made more sense than mine. Mine was I had a cube, okay? In my <laughs> mind, there was this cube, which could be divided into littler cubes, and I had to decide <laughs> which of the cubes were representing power and which were representing greed because they were all to do with Orzov. Right. So that was my fever dream. See, that was even more abstract. Yeah. But I just had this cube, and I had to decide which was pa- which part of it was power, which part of it was greed, because it was all to do with Orzov. And it, it was, was some sort of Orzov test, which I had to... Yeah. Strange, strange, strange puzzling music. Uh, but so, so getting back to Monday, <laughs> uh, after, after you know, this this feeling like death warmed up, having tried to divide this cube unsuccessfully for the last eight hours of restless sleep, yeah, I had the prospect of then driving up while everybody else in the car was feeling perfectly fine and chipper. <laughs> so that was an experience. I, I, I woke up at 7, got out of bed at 10, like actively trying to motivate myself to get up. It took me three hours to do that. I ended up getting breath, a little bit of breakfast and then going, it's half 10, are you guys ready? And they're like, we'll be ready in an hour. I'm like, I don't want to just sit here for an hour. I want to, I want to, just go back to bed, but if I do that, I'm never getting up again. Yeah. I mean, like, the thing with long drives is that you you need one of two things. You need either somebody else to drive part of the way with you, like take turns, or you at least need people to stay awake in the car with you and speak to you. Did they, did they have the decency to stay awake and speak to you, Craig? They, most of the time, well, it, it, there was definitely at least one person awake all the time. Yeah, because Dan that, was in the passenger seat, uh, uh, front passenger seat, and he was awake all the time. Yeah, so that was always our rule for because we used to go up and down a lot for uh, work reasons, and uh, our rule was that if you were in the passenger seat, you had to be awake just to speak to the driver, whoever was driving, and we'd switch around. It's a good system. 
Because the passenger seats are more comfortable. And... Yeah. Uh, there wasn't always speaking, which was a bit of a dif- difficulty. And because I, I was suffering, I couldn't... I, wa- I wasn't mentally capable enough of starting conversation. Yeah. So, like, I was getting tired, but I couldn't just think of something to say to actually start a conversation. Yeah. Although there was, there was about an hour and a half where we were just... Uh, somebody was looking up judge questions. I just right. asked them for me. And I think at the end of the hour and a half, I was just like... Stop with the judge questions. My brain is working hard enough as it is. I cannot think. Because these weren't just like, oh, uh, what happens when Timmy casts Snapcaster Mage and targets Syncopate? Does it work? Can he cast X? It wasn't like this. It was like, player A happens to draw two cards instead of one for this. What is the, what is the penalty and what is the, what, what's the name of the penalty and stuff like that? It's like, I don't know. This is level, judge level two stuff. I don't need to know this stuff. It's a game rule violation, drawing extra cards, he gets a warning and the uh, fixes to ah So yeah, it was an hour and a half of Yeah mental torture. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like but it kept me awake. But it was yeah. just it was just causing a deeper and deeper headache. It was just like a stop already. I don't care. Disqualify all of them. Just disqualify the players. <laughs> well well I, I spent Monday walking around London again, went to Madame Tussauds when uh, to the O2 Centre and watched uh, Les Mis at the, the film version okay. at, the, at the old uh, Millennium Dome. Cool. So that was cool. Through there on Monday. And then we came back up the road the next day. Nice. Um, I got in at half seven and I literally went straight to bed. Yay. Um, I think my, my wife was busy at the time, but I think she came in uh, and then saw that I was suffering. And I, w- I just came, like, I came in. I literally came in and just fell onto the bed. So she had to, like, cover me up and then take off my glasses so I didn't just fall asleep with my glasses. And then she put a second duvet on top of me. I was like, are you, are you, are you wanting anything to I was like, I just want to die. I want to die. Leave me alone. So she just disappeared. And the, and the next thing I knew, I was waking up on uh, Tuesday morning. <laughs> on the sofa still? No, I, no, this was, this was in bed. I went straight oh, to bed. Oh, you went to bed? No, no. Um, but the funny... The, so th- this is going off topic because now I'm back back home. But anyways, on Tuesday I needed to go into work, so I successfully hold myself out of bed, got to work, was meant to have this appointment, but the person didn't show up. And within an hour of getting there, everybody was just like, "Craig, you're going home. You're not allowed to stay in work. You are going home right now." So I was march home. That's how bad I was. The moral of the story is magic is bad for your health. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. On, on our way home, we went to via King's Cross train station, and I don't know if you know this, but the I mean, I, I'd seen it years ago. Uh, they've got their platforms, and the King's Cross platforms are divided in two. You've got like uh, zero to seven, or zero to eight, up to one point, or zero to nine, up to one point, and then ten, eleven, twelve, another point, and there's shops and things in between. Okay. But they have a platform nine and three quarters, Harry Potter style. Yeah. With a sign above it. And they have a luggage trolley, which is half in the wall. Cool. So you can get your photo taken pushing this trolley into the wall. And I'd seen this before and thought it was cool before. I saw it and Emma hadn't seen it before because she'd never been in King's Cross. And uh, But beside it, they have a Harry Potter shop, right? Okay. <laughs> which sells various Harry Potter things, like Hogwarts... Uh, Jumpers and scarves and things and various house colours, you know, if you want to support Gryffindor, you know. 
And not like a massive Harry Potter fan, but I, 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 it's the sort of stuff I like anyway. You know, it's, it's in that kind of region of things that I like, fancy oriented. And uh, they had like a cabinet full of wands, like replica wands from the films. Okay. And they were all individual and really beautiful. And uh, I mean, I think they're cast in like resin or something, but they're look the part. And they come in a beautiful box, like they're like a proper kind of wand case. And I was like, you know what? One of these would be really good for my mum's birthday, right? She would, okay. she, would, she would really appreciate one of these because she likes her Harry Potter books, right? Right. So I'm looking, and obviously the Harry Potter ones are sold out. So I'm looking at the shelves, and they've got them all in their boxes. And then I see this one wand. And now the boxes are they're, they're in like a sleeve. So this has nothing to do with magic at all. Harry Potter magic. Okay, but this is a small side. And uh, the, the boxes are in a sleeve, and the box comes out of the sleeve, but there's an oval cutout on the top of the sleeve... And when you put it all together, the name of the wizard who owns the wand is within the oval. Okay. Right? And I'm looking on the shelves, and on the wrong shelf right, is a Harry Potter one. I'm like, oh, wow, they said they were sold out. So I snaffled it up, took it to the counter, bought it, thank you very much. I've got my mum a Harry Potter one, well chuffed. So I went back up to the area where Emma was sitting with the bags. I said, look, I've got a one for my mum's birthday. And I opened it up, just to show it what it looked like, and it wasn't a Harry Potter one at all. It was a Lord Voldemort wand. Right. Evil and bony looking with pointy bits and jaggy bits. I'm like, ah, this isn't going to do at all for my mum's birthday. But it is quite cool, right? Okay. And Emma says to me, you've got to take it back, Stephen. I'm saying, no, Emma, the one chooses the wizard. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> So I had to go back, and uh, so I was, I was keeping my wand, and uh, I had to go back and get my mum a wand in the end to justify me buying this one. And because I had one, Emma had to buy one too. So, in the end, she got a Dumbledore wand. Okay. Which was like thistly looking. But I am now the proud owner of a Lord Voldemort wand. Congratulations. I may bring it to Friday Night Magic with me. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure if I can say I'll look forward to that one, but you you have just given the episode its title, The Wand Chooses the Wizard. Indeed. indeed. Congratulations. <laughs> right. Need to quickly wrap up Grand Prix London. Yeah. Cause, so one thing I want to mention, um, I do tend to pay attention to the top eight of a Grand Prix. Just out of curiosity about, you know, like, do I see any names I recognise? And I don't think we have seen a Brit in the top eight of a Grand Prix for months. Mm. And I would just like to say, at GP London, we finally got a Brit in the top eight. Yeah. Um, Jamie Ross from Dundee was, as was the first Brit in, I don't know how long, who has finally made top eight. Unfortunately, yeah. he did not win London. No. Do, do you know who the winner of London was? I saw his name. Timothy <laughs> Simonette? Simonette, that's it, yeah. And he was playing Simic, if I remember. Uh, he was indeed, yes. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was a, quite a few Scottish players were pretty close. Like, I know Gary Campbell from Highlander was one round away. Like, when I spoke to him, he was in the last round of day two, and he needed to win it to make the top eight, and he just fell short. And I think the same is true of Stephen Murray from Perth. 
think he was actually in a lot of the feature matches, or a few, he was in a few feature matches. Stephen Murray came 21st. He has previously represented Scotland as part of the world. Yeah. Uh, match oh, yeah. team, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Gary Campbell's been on numerous pro tours, like his old warhorse of Scottish magic, you know. Cool. Just wanted to mention that, saying I, I deliberately did not mention who won earlier, so I thought I should go back and do that now. Yay! But I think we're done with this topic. I think we've thrashed it to death over the last hour and a half. Yeah, not to mention the build-up it got over the last... The, the show is building up to this point. <laughs> so, ultimately, uh, how much did you enjoy Grand Prix London? I really enjoyed the experience. I really enjoyed getting together with so many Magic players. Was it 1,997 or something? Was it something like that? So it was 1,970. That made it the fourth biggest Grand Prix of all time. The biggest... Let me try that again. The biggest British Grand Prix ever as well. In fact, if you took the last two British Grand Prix, which I believe were Cardiff and Manchester, and added the players together you wouldn't have met London. Yeah. London was still bigger than the last previous uh, two Grand Prix. Um, so yes, fourth biggest Grand Prix of all time, which is good to hear. Yeah. Oh, this uh, reminds me, I want to randomly give some news. Oh. Because as we are currently recording while uh, Protear Gate crashes on, uh, there was a big announcement, which happened maybe half an hour ago. So would you like to guess what the announcement is? Because last time we got an announcement, it was Modern Masters. All right, okay. No, I'm not going to try and guess. Okay. So, apparently, from 2014 onwards, there's going to be four Pro Tours a year. Oh! Oh! Okay, so (laughs) I imagine this now means we're going to have a Pro Tour for each expert expansion and the core set. Nice. But I don't actually have any more information in front of me, but I just thought I would announce that now in case other people missed that. But that's just sort of come out just now while we've been recording. That's cool. Breaking news. Breaking news from 2014 for Pro Tours. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. GP was fun. I was a bit sad I didn't do better, but overall, a very positive experience. Yeah, I really enjoy myself. Um, it's just great being in a room with so many magic players and just you can the other thing, I wasn't personally wanting to do it myself, but if you just want to find a draft or a sealed or something to do with some other player, you're gonna find that very, very easily. Yeah. Um which is really, really nice. One thing that I saw a group of players doing which was really good I thought, and I think it's something we could adopt for our next big event that we go down to with a group of friends, is that they all had um, created sub-games for themselves to entertain themselves while uh, they were down there. You might have seen these guys that were wearing grey blazers and they had some kind of um, embroidered... Uh, it looked like an RAF symbol, like an eagle with some uh, kind of uh, motto written beside it. But this group of guys had all these different competitions that they had amongst themselves. I thought, this is great. So, like, uh, they each chipped in a booster... And whoever placed the highest out of their group won the pool of boosters. So they had a reason to keep playing for the entire day. Uh, they each been given a random foil card to try and trade for. Like, just something totally... Ra- it could have been anything from the whole history of magic. You have to find me a foil tranquility, or it could be a foil anything. And they all had different 
foils to find and had prizes arranged for this and all, all these different little games going on. I thought, you know, that was a really good idea on their part and it's something I think for future events we could maybe adopt as a, as a group to try and, you know, just to give ourselves some more entertainment and get more value out of the day, you know. Cool, that sounds like a grand idea. Yeah. Excellent. Do we want to do a second topic? <laughs> My word, how long is this already, Craig? Uh, nearly nearly two hours of raw. Yeah, the, the Skype calls are coming up to two hours long. We should maybe pose our weekly question. Okay, right. Uh, so last week we had a question. Do you remember what the question was? I say last week. I actually mean last fortnight, I guess. But um, do you remember what our listener question was? It's so long ago, Craig. We were asking how did other people get into magic. Oh, of course, that's what it was. Because I think we we spoke about how we got into magic, and uh, well, we got. Well, one response, I think. Yeah, we got a response! But it was from Gustav on uh, Facebook, and do you want to read it out? Yeah, I can do. Uh, this is Gustav Bruno to us at Devil and Draft. He says, to answer your listener question, I got into magic around 07 to 08 as I wanted a new hobby except for powerlifting. I knew magic existed since I actually bought a booster pack in the 90s, but my parents did not allow me to keep the cards nor let me learn how to play it, since it was d- demonic cards. I've heard this argument before, <laughs> that the, the cards are evil. And they are, in some sense. Anyway, what? they have angels too. Well, no, they do have straight-up uh, mentions of demons and straight-up mentions of... Spells and magic. So if you if you yeah. firmly believe that those are evil things, and they mention those things, you can't argue with that. It's straight up. Anyway, the uh, of course that's if you believe in those things. Uh, to continue with Gustav, he says in '07 I had a friend that played, and he taught me, and I read on the internet as well. Uh, after that, I convinced a few friends to play, and surprisingly, one of them had played it before and had some cards already. So we bought cards from the internet, and I came up with a 98-card deck. That does sound like the quintessential new Magic player, doesn't it? Jam all the good cards in a deck. Yeah. Yeah, all your favourites. Yeah. Yeah. Two more, and he would have a commander deck. Oh, well. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Gustav. Uh, Should we read out there? He's got more here. It's quite a lot, yeah. Do you want me to read some more? Feel free. Yeah. Gustav continues. He says, at the time, it was a deck to beat, because it had some life gain and combos to make me invulnerable. We had played for fun since then, but I started to go to Friday Night Magic uh, around about 2012 and learned how to be a better player and discovered the draft format. And it now pretty much occupies 30-40% of my spare time. That sounds familiar. Uh And... Uh, trying to become a better player, both at building decks and drafting. And I have to thank you guys, show for helping me accomplish those goals. Thank you very much, Gustav. Thank you very much. I'm glad we can... We, we have helped one person, or at least one person has acknowledged we've helped them. We have succeeded in our goals. Yeah. Yep, cool. I'm very glad we're helpful, and I hope we can continue to be so. From here till forever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of helpful, Craig... Uh, how's the set review coming on? So, we've now released the second part of the set review. So, you can find that on uh, com. If you go there, at the top, it was there's a loving set review link. And if you click on that, you can get our links to the Orzhov Syndicate and the Simic Combine, which is the newest part we've released. 
And I think we're working on part three right now. Yeah. Uh, is it Boros we're heading into? Yeah, we will be doing the Boros Legion. Uh, this is based on the votes from Facebook. There was a vote a while ago asking what people wanted the set reviews on, uh, in which order. And Boros got the third most votes, so Boros will be next. And then I think it's Demir, then Gruel. Mm. Then Gruel got the least love, which is, to be honest, how I kind of feel about the format. But Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, I like Gruel. I mean, I don't want to go into too much depth here, but you know, I, I like it just as a splash into other colours. So I like playing Boros with a bit of Gruel for just a bit of punch, but uh, not that taken just playing Gruel on its own. But, you know, hey. Right, I guess we need a new question. We do need a new question. Okay, I'll build this for a question then. What magic card provides you with a great story? Ah, so what do you mean? Do you mean like a sort of story in game or just a story in life? Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you've got a magic card which somehow provides you with a real life story, that'd be cool. But I'm thinking in the game because like the car- I, I'm thinking personally for me. I'm talking about Trade Secrets. Now let me just double check what Trade Secrets is. So Trade Secrets is a blue card. It costs one blue blue, and it's a sorcery. And it reads, target opponent draws two cards, then you drop to four cards. That opponent may repeat this process as many times as he or she chooses. So <laughs> they draw two, and you can drop to four, and then you go, would you like to go again? So in a game of Commander, I know this is in draft, but bear with me. In a game of Commander, I I get Trade Secrets, and I go, Steve, you're going to be nice to me, aren't you? And you go, yes. Yes, of course. Okay, and I go, okay, I cast Trade Secrets targeting you. So Steve draws two, and I draw four, and I go, do you want to repeat? Yes. Okay. (laughs) So he draws two, and I draw four. Do you want to repeat? Yes. So I slightly misread this card and don't realize the whole you draw up to four cards part. So Steve just keeps going. And going, and I've, you know, I've drawn half my library, got 30 cards in front of me, and like, do you want to keep going? Yes. Draw another four <laughs> cards. Do you want to keep going? Yes. Or not. Keep going until it gets to the point where I'm about to draw the rest of my library and I relook at the card and go, up to four cards. Okay then. And next time I just draw the rest of my library and just go, you done now, Steve? He's like, yeah, I'm done now. It's like, okay, so now I have no library. <laughs> However, I have thankfully drawn Reliquy Tower and Elixir of Immortality. Yeah. So I can keep all the cards I've drawn and I can reshuffle what little graveyard I have back into, back into my library and keep myself alive. Yeah. See, I, th- I think at that point you had Reliquy Tower in play and what okay. I was, I was digging for a strip mine. Right. <laughs> so, I think that was my aim. I was going for a strip mine. But, uh, yeah. Yes, so Trade Secrets provides me the best story just because I drew my entire library, but I still won. Because I asked, I, when I got back to my turn, I was able to draw a card because I'd already used my elixir, and then I was able to cast whatever spell I had in my library. I'm saying this as a commander, I had a lot of very powerful spells to choose from. Yeah. So that's, that's, that is, so Trade Secrets is a magic card that provides me with a great story. Yeah, I, th- I think if you're talking about a magic card, a specific card which provides me with a story, I think I've got to think back to my good old Royal Assassin. And it was like, you know when you very first start playing, there's a card which you think is awesome and you just can't do without. And it's like, you're young as well at this point, or I was young, and Royal Assassin was, like, for me, the 
best card in the entire world. Like, you couldn't beat this. Because, like, you tap your guy to attack, I kill you. You tap your guy to do anything, I kill you. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. You know, and it went in every single deck that I uh, used to play. And now, you know, I still have this exact same card, and it is so beaten up. Like, there's so many memories attached to that card. <laughs> like... When I, I used to carry it in my pocket to school. I, we used to wear blazers to school, Craig. I don't know if you wore blazers to school. But I did not, no. Our school had blazers, Craig. But mine was a bit tatty and a bit, <laughs> a bit worse for wear. And uh, I used to just jam my pockets full of sweeties. And you know you used to get, like, sherbet dust in a bag? Aye. Yeah. That stuff and millions and uh, sherbet bonbon things... Oh, and, and my pockets and my, my pockets became crusted with sweeties. <laughs> and I used to just jam my deck into my pocket and walk about with my deck and my pocket with an elastic band round it. I cringe now thinking about it, right? But that's what I used to do. And this one card bears all these marks. It's got scuffs. It's got marks. It's got all these dirty little smudges. But it reminds like it's just, it always reminds me of all the the games played at school when I was first discovering the game and. And realising you could make combos and realising that, you know, just the way the cards interacted together and what was so cool about everything. And, uh, yeah, it was just like, it just invokes a lot of stories. Do you know what I mean? So this, like, this one card that I look at and I just have all these stories in my head of all these times and like, all the people I used to play. So it was like one guy I used to play, his name was Smitty and, uh, his method of shuffling his deck was spreading it out over the entire table or floor or whatever we were playing, spreading it all out and then scooping it all back and that was his deck shuffled. And we called it the Smitty Shuffle. Ah. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, it's all these little things and it's like one of those cards that... One of, it's one of the few cards I've still got from my very first packs of cards that I bought and I can say that is one of the very first cards that I owned. And, you know, my Royal Assassin as uh, full of little stories, you know. So it's maybe not the best story. I don't know if that's exactly what you were looking for with your question. But no, it's that's grand. That's, that's yeah. excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So uh, we want to hear from other people what Magic Card provides them with a great story. Yeah, that'd be great. Yep. And then we may read them out next week. Yay. Right. Uh, are we done? I think we're done, Craig. You don't want to talk some more? We're only at know. the two and a quarter hour mark, so, as far as this is concerned. I mean, oh, we can we can push it out for for a bit longer if you want. <laughs> I'm game. <laughs> nah, I'm not. Okay, fair enough. Okay, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, remember, if you want to get in touch with us, we're on Tumblr, downdraft.tumblr.com. That's where you can find our living set review, both on the Simic and the Orzov, and other guilds to come. We're also on Facebook. That's facebook.com/downdraft. Uh, where I think you're going to put a picture up of me doing my judge test. Yeah, oh, yeah, I am. Um, yeah, Craig looking stressed out, yeah. Yeah, serious, focused. <laughs> uh, you can email us at delvingintodraft at gmail.com. And lastly, I am available on Twitter as Ravak underscore, that's R-A-V-A-K underscore. 
Your host for this week were me, Craig, and you, Steve. That's me! The intro and outro music is by Kevin McLeod. The name of the song is The Cannery, and it is Road free music license under the Creative Commons by Tributation 3.0. You can find more of Kevin's work at incomputech.com. Additional music was from the album Ghosts 1 through 4 by Nine Inch Nails, which is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution non-commercial share-alike license. You can find out more about Nine Inch Nails at www.nin.com. Thank you.